This is a Nerf crossbow. Now, this is from their zombie strike line because everyone knows the best thing you need to have in your hand in the case of a zombie apocalypse is a plastic weapon with foam darts. Um, Daryl from Walking Dead would be so embarrassed. Nonetheless, this is a, is a zombie killing crossbow, apparently. Now, this, this crossbow has two modes. Like this. Doesn't really do much. I can even put in a dart. Still doesn't do much. Or I could do that. All of a sudden, that little motion changed radically what this toy can do. In one state, it doesn't do a whole lot, but it has a lot of potential. Imagine, imagine all the fun we could have if we all had one of these running around this building, okay? But it has all kinds of potential here. But to unleash, to release that potential, we've got to do that. And now, once I do that, this is in a completely different state, and it allows me to do things like shoot the soundboard. Ha, did I get you? Nope, fell a little short. Darn it. Okay? But I can have all kinds of fun. So, keep this in mind. I'm going to come back to the zombie crossbow. Two, two modes. Right here with all the potential. And here. That is ready to unleash all of that potential out. Now, we're in the middle of this series looking at the Apostles' Creed, looking at some theology. These are things we believe as Christians. And, and every week we read through the entire Apostle, Apostles' Creed, and then we look at one of the sections. So that, we're going to do that again today. We're, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to read through the entire Apostles' Creed, and then we'll narrow it down. And if, if, let's say if you grew up in a church where they read the Apostles' Creed during church, and, and you like to recite it, maybe you even have it memorized from childhood, you can do that as well. We're going to have a time at the end of the sermon to recite it together. So you can recite if you know it by, by heart. If you'd like to read along, you can do that. So now the Apostles' Creed was one of the very first of the creeds, which are these formal statements of belief that the church developed to summarize what's in Scripture. The creed is not Scripture, but it describes and it summarizes the key core elements of the Christian faith. And it was the very first one developed. It was written about as early as 150, some believe possibly even as early as 120 AD. Um, so that's not a whole lot farther past when the books of the Bible were written. And this, does, this particular one, the Apostles' Creed, does an amazing job at summarizing clearly and simply the core beliefs of the Christian faith. So you can read along on screen or listen and enjoy. So here it is. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. So, so far in this series, we started out three weeks ago or so, we started out talking, or four weeks, talking about how God is an infinitely powerful creator and an intimately personal father. Then we talked about how Jesus, as the second person of the Trinity, the Son, came down as the perfect God-man, fully God, fully human, together. And that was called the incarnation. And that was, that was the 33 or so years that Jesus was living on earth. And then, then last week we talked about the, the writer here who, who wrote to oppose some of the common explanations of Jesus' death. And some of the, the viral hoaxes that were floating around at the time. And, and there's the line here that we just heard that Jesus was an actual person in time. And that he actually suffered, he actually died, and he really was buried, dead. And now we move on to the next section, okay? And it's this. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, the first thing you might notice about this is there are three parts to it, three, three little sub-phrases. So first, on the third day, he rose again. Second, he ascended into heaven. Third, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So three parts. And these three parts cover two huge theological concepts. Two huge theological concepts, one of which you've probably heard of before, and one of which, you know, you might not be all too familiar with. So the first phrase, that first phrase up on the screen, refers to Jesus' resurrection. That's probably something you've heard before. You could have never even stepped foot into a church. This could be the first time you've ever walked into a church, and you've probably heard that this Jesus guy came back to life. Okay, That's what the resurrection is. But now those second two lines, those second two lines refer to something you might not be as familiar with, okay? Those two refer to something called the ascension. It comes from the word ascend, which is to rise up, because that's what it says. Jesus rose up to heaven. Now, so again, that, this one might be a little new to you, because there, there are big moments in Jesus' life. And some of them we're very familiar with. There's Jesus' birth. We have Christmas cards. We celebrate Christmas. We have a great Christmas or Christmas Eve service here. Maybe you have a nativity scene. We have a nativity scene. We always set up with a little baby Jesus there. And, and so Jesus' birth, most people get that. There's Jesus' death. When he was crucified on the cross, Christians celebrate, we call that Good Friday. Uh, it's a sad Friday, but it's a good Friday because we understand the impact and the power of what happened when Jesus died for us. And so, so River Life, like this past year, we did a Good Friday service, and it was a little mournful, a little celebratory, but maybe you've been to a Good Friday service before. Um, that, that, so that's Jesus' death. Now there's also Jesus' resurrection. That's Easter Sunday. Big deal because, you know, Easter Sunday, Jesus' resurrection, nothing says Jesus is alive again then, quick, hide the eggs, okay? Who knows? He, but, but Easter Sunday, so we all know. We all know those three. We, you can go out to Target and buy, buy a Hallmark card for any one of those events. 
you might have a harder time going out and buying a Hallmark card for Ascension Day. Now, that's an actual thing, by the way. It's 40 days after Jesus' uh, resurrection, uh, because that's what happened in the Bible. Jesus um, spoke to people for 40 days. And some churches, if you grew up in a Catholic background or maybe a Methodist or Lutheran background, you might be familiar with this holiday called Ascension Day. But you're not going to find any, like, little Easter ascending Jesus puffs to chow down and ascension candies and ascension cards. You're not going to find much of that. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to help you understand the, the power and the importance of ascension today. But first, we're going to start with the resurrection. Okay? We're going to start with the resurrection. And, and with this, I want to start with each of these, the resurrection and the ascension. I want to read you the story, read you the Bible story. So you can see it right out of the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And then second, I, I want to give you one theologically significant um, a consequence of this belief. So first, we're going to look at Luke. We're at the end of the book of Luke. This is Luke 24. We're going to look through the first eight verses here. And this is after Jesus died, after he was buried. And so, so if you want to pull it up, you can, you can flip to it. You can click to it. You can read up on the screen. Uh, so this is going to be Luke 24, 1 through 8, talking about the resurrection of Jesus. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. These were some of Jesus' followers who came to anoint and care for his body. They found the stone was rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you. While you were still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his word. So Jesus was no longer dead. God raised him to new life. He raised him to new life. Now, one thing that's important to understand, I want to make this distinction that um, God resurrected Jesus. The power of God resurrected Jesus. He did not simply resuscitate Jesus. So if one of you were to have a heart attack right now, I could come on over, I could give you CPR, I could go out there and get the little paddles and be like, clear, poof, okay? And if your heart stopped, we maybe, hopefully, could start it up again. I could resuscitate you. You were dead for like maybe a minute or so, and then you came back to life. That's resuscitation. But there's a problem with that. You would still eventually die, okay? Resuscitating is just bringing someone back, but they'll still eventually die. But resurrection... That is someone coming back and never dying again. And that's what happened. When Jesus was resurrected, he didn't have the same body even. He still had a body, but it was a glorified, perfected body. It's the body that that as believers, we will have in heaven. We will have perfected bodies because these bodies will have either died 
and will be in the ground, or if he happens to come back soon, then we will have restored, renewed bodies. So Jesus was resurrected with a glorified, perfected body. Now, I don't know what that might mean for me, but I'm fairly sure it's going to involve, like, abs. I would just like abs for once, okay? So that's going to that's be my glorified body. You, you can still keep the rest of me. I just like some abs <laughs> instead of one giant ab. Okay. So, so that's the big part that Jesus, Jesus' resurrection gives new life. God gave Jesus new life. And because of that, we, you and I, can receive new life. And that is huge. That is a huge piece of the resurrection. That the life you're living, you are not trapped in that life. Here while you're still alive or in eternity. So God gives us new life through the resurrection. So that's the first big idea you need to keep in mind. Okay, Keep in mind that that the resurrection, Jesus' resurrection gives us new life. Okay, now, one of the best examples of this, one of the best chapters in the whole New Testament about resurrection is 1 Corinthians 15. It is an amazing, the first half of the chapter, in fact, I was going to even read the whole first half of the chapter, but then we'd be here through lunch. And so I'm just going to read a little section of it. But I would encourage you, read the whole first half of 15, because it's an amazing argument for the resurrection. But I wanted to read you a few verses of it out, out of this, ju- just a few. So this is out of 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 23. Here it is. For since death came through one man, that's Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, that's Jesus. For, all, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his turn, Christ, the firstfruits, in other words, the first one, then when he comes, those who belong to him. I love that it just doesn't say just Christians, but it says those who belong to him, those who belong to Jesus. So let me explain this. When Adam in the Garden of Eden disobeyed God, he sinned. And the Bible is very clear from beginning to end. The consequences of sin is death. And as a result, Adam and Eve experienced death, physical death and spiritual death. So to counter this, Jesus, who was sinless, he is the only person in all of history who never should have died for his sins because he had no sins to die for. But he died for our sins. He took the death that was the consequence of Adam, the very first sin, and it's the same, it's the sin we repeat over and over again. And Jesus died for that sin. And because of that, he conquered death. When he, when he was resurrected, he conquered death once and for all. Jesus' resurrection gives us new life. Here and in eternity. In fact, Jesus' resurrection is so important. It is so critical to the Christian faith that in this same chapter, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith would be useless, 
we would be liars, and worse off, we would be the most pitiable, most pitiful people on earth if Jesus did not actually rise from the dead. So the resurrection is important. And Jesus' resurrection gives us new life. So now, now let's talk about the ascension. Now let's move to the ascension. <coughs> Thank you. So with the ascension, first, first we're going to read about it. First, we're going to read. Now, this, the, the story of the ascension occurs, the best story occurs in Acts. Acts 1. That's what we're going to read. Now, Acts was written by the same guy who wrote Luke, the guy named Luke. And he even describes it. It's, it's a continuation. It's like a two-volume story. It's Harry Potter Part 1, Part 2. It's Fellowship of the Ring and, and the Two Towers. It's meant to be read together as one big story. And now in your Bible, John's between them. But when it was originally written, they, they were kind of, imagine them just stapled together. So we're going to continue the story sort of from where we left off. And that's in Acts 1. Acts 1 1 through 11, right? And so this is going to store, this focuses on Jesus being taken up to heaven. Okay? And again, you can, you, can, you can click to it, flip to it, follow along up on the screen. Here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, and th this is the, 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 the rich man that, he, that Luke wrote these books for, okay? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So that's the ascension. Now, I know there's a lot in that. We, we could spend a whole series just on that, pa that passage. So there's a lot in that. Some of it I'm not going to cover. I'm just going to gloss over. So, so roll with me on this because I want to focus in on the ascension. I want to focus in on that uh, that moment and the significance of what happened here. And 
Because here's why this is important. Here's why this thing that doesn't get a great holiday and no Hallmark cards and no Ascension peeps that they sell. Why is this so important? The resurrection gives us new life. But the ascension unleashes the power to live that life today. Let me say that again. The resurrection gives us new life. The ascension unleashes that power to live that life today. So now where do I get this? Where, where does this come from? Well, there are, about, there are about five or six theologically significant things that happened at the ascension. We're just going to cover two, because otherwise this becomes a whole series of stuff, sermons. So we're just going to talk about two of the five or six big things that happened. First, first and foremost, is the first thing has to do with Jesus and his body. So let me give you a, a little bit of background. So before Jesus was born, the, the Son, the second person in the Trinity, has existed eternally with the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the, the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit existed without corporeal form, without body form, and has for eternity. There was no beginning there. But when Jesus came down, when God sent his one and only Son to earth, he assumed a bodily form. He took on flesh. That's the incarnation from last week. And this incarnation meant that for 33, 36 years or so, Jesus was fully God and fully man and had a physical body. That physical body died. That physical body was resurrected. But it was resurrected as a glorified body. It wasn't the same flawed, flabby bodies that we have anymore. It was a glorified body. And when Jesus ascended, he still had his body. He didn't just go into like spirit mode and be like, whoosh. Okay, no, he ascended as a physical body up to heaven, which means that right now, at this very moment, Jesus Christ has a physical body on the throne sitting at the, the right hand of the Father. But here's the difference. When Jesus was on earth, Jesus was limited by time and space. He could only be at one place at one time. But now, his glorified body, when he ascended, you can, you can actually even imagine him ascending outside and above our timeline. The ascended glorified Jesus Christ is no longer limited by time and space. That's why he can speak to somebody in China and heal somebody in Ethiopia. That's why while I sit here and ramble on about the Bible and about Jesus, that Jesus Christ himself can speak to every one of you simultaneously. He can speak to you when you go home. He can speak to me when I go home. Jesus Christ is no longer limited by time and space. He can minister to all people in all places at all times. That is an incredibly powerful thing. 
that we as believers, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be ministered to you by Jesus anytime, anywhere, any place. So that's a major change, and that unleashes power when we don't have to stand in line for Jesus. I mean, the Bible is full of stories of crowds. People couldn't even get to Jesus. Some short guy had to climb a tree just to even see Jesus. We don't have to do that anymore. So that's the first major thing that happened at the ascension. Jesus maintained his physical body. So don't think he kind of went into spirit mode. Nope. He maintained his physical body. But that body is no longer constrained by time and space. But that's not the only thing. There's another big thing. There's a second big thing that happened at, at the ascension. And that is that because Jesus left, he even said it, he was able to give us a gift. He left and then he sent the Holy Spirit. And that changes everything. You see, in the Old Testament, this, the Holy Spirit was not with every follower of God. The Holy Spirit would come down on someone and empower them, and they would do great things, and then the Spirit would leave them. The Spirit of God would leave them. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have said yes to following and obeying Jesus Christ in your life, you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and that Holy Spirit will never leave you. You have God's presence. You have an advocate, a defender. You have, you have someone who can pray for you, the Holy Spirit, that gives you a direct connection to God. And that is the Spirit that lives inside you. And, and, the, and even Jesus, the Bible is very clear that, that Jesus, he left so that he could send the Spirit. As I was wrestling over this with Pafoy, she, she's my theological sounding board when we're sitting around the house. And, and, and I was like, wait, what actually? Did, like, did he have to leave? Is it like Batman and Bruce Wayne? Like Jesus and the Spirit can't be in the same room at the same time. So Jesus had to go. Then the Spirit was able to come. No, no, no. It's more like WWE tag team wrestling. Okay? I, Jesus, Jesus ascended up to heaven, like tagged off to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's like, okay, I got this. Shoom, went on down. And into every believer at Pentecost. I know that's probably theologically heretical, but I'll go with it. But you get the idea that, that because Jesus ascended, we as believers are able to receive this incredible gift. And that is the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And, and Jesus repeated this over and over again, that he wants to give you, give every one of you this gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's why the resurrection matters, and that's why the ascension matters. Because the resurrection gives us new life. And the ascension unleashes the power to live it today. Because of the ascension, we have a Jesus Christ who we can turn to at any point in time, any day, anywhere. And he can minister to us. He can minister to you at any point, anywhere. And because of the ascension, 
We have the Holy Spirit. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit who lives inside you. And the ascension that unleashes power beyond anything you as a human being, anything I as a human being can accomplish. So the ascension unleashes that power. So, let's go back to my nerf strike. So what's the whole point of this? Well, again, bordering on theologically heretical here, but I'll, I'll run with it anyway. So think about that, that the resurrection gives us new life. I could give you a Nerf weapon. I could even give you ammo. You have all this potential of a new life. But without the ascension, without the ascension, there's not making it powerful. You miss out on the thing that unleashes all of the power, and I could rain hellfire on the soundboard. No, okay. But think about that. The ascension matters because the ascension turns you from this to that. And all that power, all that new life, all that hope, all that healing, all that renewal that God gives you in new life from the resurrection is unleashed because of the ascension. So it matters a lot. It matters to every one of us. Because God wants us to live empowered lives. God does not want us to live defeated. He does not want us to live in failure. He does not want us to live broken. wants us to live in power, so he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us, to let us be all that he created us to be, and even more. And that's the power of the ascension. It's the power of the resurrection paired with the power of the ascension. It's wonderful new life with all of its potential. And the ascension unleashes all of that power and allows, nope, not even close. Recalibrate this thing. I want to shoot farther. So there you have it. The resurrection, these three little lines of the Apostles' Creed, they matter. So here, I would like us to recite the Apostles' Creed. And so each week, we close out the sermon by reciting only up to the parts we've studied. And if you believe this, I encourage you to recite it with boldness. If you're not sure, that's okay. You can, you can skip some sections. You can skip the whole thing. If you're here, you're kind of new to church. You're not sure about this whole Jesus died, resurrected. Isn't it just metaphorical and he's resurrected new life in our, our hearts? That's okay. But I would encourage you, stand along with the River Life family because you are part of the River Life family today and, and recite with conviction as much of this as you believe, as much as that God has put on your heart. So, and again, we're only going to read up to the parts we've studied so far. So, everyone stand up. We're going to read this together. And we'll put it up on the screen. And so, here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. 
I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen to that. You can be seated.